Well, if you've been with us long enough, you you know by now don't believe every anything and everything you see on the screen because for some reason or other tech push a button and don't save and it's still we are still at 129th day of October. So no, this is Thursday night. Welcome aboard. Welcome to that Thursday night evening uh, service. And we will finish up what we started out on the Lord's Day this evening. Lord willing, Spirit God, let's see where the Spirit takes us. Um, we'll open up tonight with some George Whitten, first of all. Uh, I get to top the news because I'd say it was good news. Troops breach Hamas defenses, approach Gaza City, anti-tank missiles. Chief slain. Military officials declare Wednesday that Israeli forces had breached Hamas' first line of defense and were approaching Gaza City, saying that saying the deaths of 16 soldiers this week in and near Gaza were a heavy price. Meanwhile, the military continued to pour the the strip and eliminated the commander of the terrorist group anti-tank missile array. Israeli Defense Forces spokesman Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari said that with advanced planning, precise intelligence, and joint attacks from land, air, and sea, our forces broke through Hamas front lines of defense in the front in the north of Gaza Strip. Brigadier General Itzik Cohen, the commander of IDF's 162nd Division of Israel Forces, had advanced deep into Gaza and were at the gates of Gaza City. And that, um, yeah, uh, they, the, the world's the same, uh, calling for a ceasefire. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu said, huh, you know, ceasefire, talk to them about a ceasefire. They're the one who attacked. We're not going to capitulate. So good for them. We continue to pray for them. And, um, you know, we, we should pray for the United States of America, too. I'm watching Pastor Point of View. If you don't watch that, that's Andy Woods. Uh, do a search for him and bring him up. Um, on he uh, His podcast is on Fridays, released on Fridays. It, it gives you a good world perspective, biblical world perspective of what's going on. And uh, and last one he talked about, he really, <laughs> Um, this administration, while they speak with their mouth about their full support of Israel, they are, um, our, this administration is big backers of the enemies of Israel. So anyway, uh, pray for the United States and um, repentance for that, at least this ad- administration. So uh, let's see, George Whitten didn't get a chance to read them this morning. And he says, friends, dive deeper. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. As the culture of war continues to escalate all over the world, we as believers should be filled with peace in the midst of intense conflicts. So, how can we be filled with peace in the midst of such adversity? How is it possible? One may wonder. One method of finding your shalom is a lesson found in nature. When storm swarms across the ocean surface, the fish know where the water is still, deep down under. While on the surface, the winds and the waves rage, fathoms below lies water completely at peace. Perhaps we should learn something from the fish. And in the shallow relationship with God, we will find ourselves being tossed to and fro by stormy waves of circumstances. James describes such a person as double-minded and unstable in his trials. He cannot exercise faith because he hasn't gone deep with the Lord. However, when we seek a deeper relationship with him, we can we can enter another perspective on what's happening at the surface. Seeking and abiding in the depths of Yeshua, our Sar Shalom, Prince of Peace, will bring peace that passes 
all understanding, even in the midst of great storms. The double-minded man has not yet sought or found this peace, since not everyone is willing to spend the time or effort for a deep relationship. However, it is available for all who truly desire and take a time for it. Friends, are you depressed or are you distressed or worried? It's time to press in. Seek that deeper relationship with Yeshua and let him lead you to still waters. He so wants to fill you with shalom, which passes all understanding. Your family in the Lord with much agape love. George, Batrevka, Obadiah, and Elena. And this is another fine day in the Lord. And let's take these next few moments in silent prayer, and I'll open us up in corporate prayer. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity today to have come together to assemble. I pray, Heavenly Father, after a great meal and um, that you give us alertness uh, uh, in our hearts and our minds when we kind of want to nod off and, and just relax a little bit. Let us be a full alert as we take in your word this evening. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. And, hey, apropos, because we're dealing here, and when George talks, speaking of, of going deep, that is taking, we're going deep, plus we're taking our spiritual lives to the next level. Uh, it is not that we stay stationary. And uh, the the Christian way of life is not a, a dormant life. How often have I said over and over again, uh, and I'll continue to say that it is not that we get saved. And by the way, um, you never know when somebody new is watching in or, or joining us. So maybe it's the first time you've heard this. But um, our the Christian way of life is not sitting at the bus station waiting to be carted home to heaven. And our doctrine isn't just sitting still on that Jesus Christ provides eternal life for anyone who trusts in him for it. Or First John 3.16 that... God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And doctrines of our salvation and being sure that, no, at some point it's time to get our spiritual footing and press forward to that high ground. Spiritual maturity is the goal. And we spoke we spoke uh, on the Lord's Day of the, uh, what is spiritual maturity? What what is it to get there? And once again, it's what George spoke of. It's going deep. It's going. It's taking our spiritual level in our to a place where we're growing closer to the Lord. In James, James tells us to draw near to God, and He will draw near to us. Um, just real quick, I go over what we went over on the Lord's Day on this. What is the what is spiritual maturity? And I just threw out some bullet points. Because there's probably things you can add. Michael, you probably add. Or Amanda, you might be able to add one or two of these when you look at them. But um, we maximize the function of one's own spiritual life or gift. We all have spiritual gifts that, um, that, uh, that's special to us. Uh, administration gift, uh, evangelism gift, prayer uh, prayer gift. These are different gifts that uh, that we have. Well, you maximize the function of whatever spiritual gift or gifts that you may have. Production, the fruit of the spirit in Galatians chapter five. Your spiritual life becomes more productive. You begin to produce fruit. There's the tranquility of soul, leading to a relaxed mental attitude. Um, you're not falling apart when crises hit. Uh, blessings in time, that's material blessings and or spiritual blessings in time. That's why we're on this earth. And then there's blessing for eternity. That's crowns, robes, position related to a rulership function. Sharing the joy of the Lord. Um, there is the command over self. That's where, that's where you take charge over that carnal nature. That's one of the big hurdles that we have growing up. 
in the faith uh, to to let the spirit you know to to give the spirit the command over your your flesh there's so much more we could talk about that friend status with the lord john 15 uh, 14 effective effectiveness in prayer james 5:16 where it says that um that uh the the prayers of a righteous of the righteous man accomplishes much the mature believer is an overcomer whose blessings are outlined in revelation chapter 2 and 3 to the churches you've got a greater discernment of the word of god of doctrine you you begin to the point where you're thinking god's thoughts after him a few more i've i've thrown out there so these are some of the measures of your spiritual life and um and they begin to operate and as you're growing up these things begin to take an effect that that spiritual life and it is that spiritual life as as it was with peter says it not only has value for us in this life but it also has value in the life to come so the heart of the heart of the the heart of the pastor is is for in a communication of uh, those who communicate in God's word that heart is for the growth the spiritual growth of of the congregation the pastor works the work uh, tirelessly now don't let's get you and speaking from speaking from um experience um you might think that it's hard work that it's discipline work to get up in the morning and to uh, and to spend time in God's work. And man, you might say, "Wow, he's he's you know he worked hard at at developing the lessons and and doing this and come and 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 putting the word together and stuff like that." Folks, I, and I don't know, maybe it's just me, but maybe you can ask any past. But it's a joy. It is a joy to. To to come there and there, like I said, there's mornings that you and I say mornings because that's when I do my study, and you see something that you hadn't seen before, and you get up, you say, "Wow!" And you're this the labor is joyfully you you do this is something you want to do, but your joy is made complete when those in your congregation when they when they begin to see this for themselves and and you and afterwards listen the greatest thing for me and the greatest joy that i have is after the service and we we generally um, go upstairs and have a bite to eat and and fellowship together that that we begin or or when we conversate about what we've just learned or even what we're learning there that is what John is speaking of in 1 John 1, 4 when he says, These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. When we see the Word of God functioning in your life, when we see your family um, worshiping the Lord and the things that you're saying, and, and even Jolene, when Jolene says things that, come out of her mouth you know that god is is there and that's that's wow okay so coming back to our letter the writer and the letter of hebrews he instructs his readers to include each uh, he instructs his readers that includes remember i want to also say this just to remind you and we'll keep reminding you the context of this letter is the Jewish Christians of that day. He's writing to them. There's a special issue that he's that 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 he has to address, and these Jews were under pressure. And as we started out this this lesson on the Lord's Day, as we started out looking back, he is. Um, the believer, uh, the Jewish believer, yeah, they, they, the believers thought that the Lord was coming back at any time. And so as the period of time continued to go on, they started losing heart. 
And this, the journey wasn't so much work. It's just like what they did in the, in the wilderness, where they went out to the wilderness and they wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to go back to the law. These Jewish believers wanted to go back to the law. They wanted to go back to what they were familiar with rather than pressing forward to unfamiliar ground and pressing forward and upward to their relationship with the Lord. The message is to us as well. And this passage coming into six, he's motivating them. He's motivating us to get off of first base and move on. Let's read that for uh, where we're at in this, by the way. And we are in Hebrews chapter six. We begin with verse one. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, the anointed one, the Mashiach. Let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instructions about washing hand, about washing and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. And, um, and for in the case of those who have been enlightened and have tasted of heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again in repentance since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. We're not going to get all of that tonight, of course, but um, that's where we're headed. So many questions that's going to rise from this and already. So he's saying here, leaving behind the elementary teaching, and we we saw that elementary teachings is the um, first, is the beginning words. This is what it is. R.K. Um, Arche Lagos, Hal Christos. The beginning words of Christ. Um, let us leave that base. Let us, let us leave. And he's not saying to forget what we've learned. He's not saying forget the basics. Everything is built upon the basics. You're not going to forget. I like what... Um, Vince Lombardi, football coach, beginning of beginning of every uh, new season, he would hold up a football to 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 the to his players and said, "This is a football," you know, and it was to remind them the very basics. They're going back to the basics, and and so. There's some believers, they're, they're, they're contented with knowing that Jesus Christ, the very basics, the very foundations of their faith, where it started, but they're not moving forward anymore. They haven't gone deep. And they may call themselves Christians, but they are certainly not Christ followers. When James says, draw near to God, he is the Lagos, the Word, all right? Lagos means Word. He is the Word. He is the message. He is the, I'll, I'll take it to another one. A Lagos is the expression, an expression. And Lagos is the expression of God the Father. So if we're going to draw near to God, we draw near through the Lagos, both the written Word, which is the expression of Jesus Christ uh, and uh, or of God through his son. So we go through him to come to the Father. It should be on each, and I hope it is, on each of our hearts that our number one prime objective in this life is our drawing near to God. And I guarantee you, I, I promise you, that if a husband, 
No, I will not counsel a husband and wife. Except from the pulpit right here. Because if God is the focal point of the husband's life and the focal point of the wife's life, that's going to bring that marriage together in a phenomenal way. You've got your objective set. A church. What brings a church together? I've seen a fragmented church. Why is it fragmented? Because they've got God wrong and they don't know their Christ. Our lives are brought together with the knowledge of the Lord. And that's how we draw near to him. And it's, and like I said, our objective is to draw near. Though we have, listen, how do we know? Though we not, though we have not seen him, we love him. Why is that? Because we've gotten off first base. And we started to grow. We started to move forward. So while John 3.16 is a vital verse in coming to the Lord, our salvation, for salvation, there are other doctrines. Listen, it's not just a doctrine of salvation. There's so many doctrines that goes beyond. You see, the Jews, when we're talking about the Christian Jews, they've they learn so many things through Old Testament Scripture. The Old Testament Scripture speaks of Christ. And they, but it laid for them, and it gave to them the elementary doctrines. And they came to understand these through Scripture. Those people, listen, Grady, those people that say that you cannot find Jesus in the Old Testament. Jesus was not in the Old Testament. So therefore, and you'll hear that, therefore we should, we should throw out the Old Testament. True or false? Can you, can you find the Lord Jesus in, in the Old Testament scriptures? Even though he was born, he was born in the New Testament, let's just say. Let me bring it down to that level. So can you, before Matthew, can you find Jesus in the Old Testament? Name me, somebody name me one place where you find Jesus in the Old Testament. Joshua. Joshua, where at? He's the Lord of the host. That's right. He's the Lord of the host. Where out? Walking in the garden. That was our. He is the manifest person of Jesus Christ, or a manifest person of the Godhead. So walking in the garden. There was um, from the very beginning, from the very beginning. The one who spoke, actually, the one who established this world. It was through God the Father. It was God the Father who spoke. It was the Lord Jesus Christ who executed with the power of the Holy Spirit. All three members of the Godhead was there at the beginning. The, but there was a, the, the Old Testament believers looked forward to a Redeemer through the doctrine, through types, through prophecies, through Scripture. They came to know Christ. And when when Christ came, when he died, when he rose again, see, they knew resurrection wasn't nothing new to them. They knew resurrection all the way back to the day of Abraham. They um, So there were those things that they did understand, but it was, it was taught to them through a veil, through, through a veil. So there was, it was incomplete. When Paul talks about in First Corinthians about when the completed has come, First 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 Corinthians thirteen, when the completed comes, what is that completed? It is the mystery doctrine of the church age. It's a completed canon of scripture. It's brought this and it's brought to light, and it's a gift. The completed canon of scripture is complete for us. And it takes us from elementary understanding 
to press forward. So how do we press forward? How do we get off first base? Help me. By our by our taking serious God's Word and our delving into it. And people may ask you, where do I start? I don't know. There's all kinds of opinions on that. I'm going to tell you, just start. Just start. Even if you don't understand, just start. And um, my... my I've heard that. I've heard. I've heard. Mark is a good place to start. I've heard. Well, start with Genesis. I've heard. Start with Revelation. Uh, Chuck Messel. Start with Revelation. But when I, for for me when when I start when I started under the Colonel, he didn't. The Colonel didn't slow up for me. I had to jump right in the middle, and I didn't know a whole lot of things. And I was telling Nick, I was telling Nick the other day. Uh, Nick was saying there's so much about Revelation he don't understand. And he's going to have to go back over it again and stuff like that and stuff. I said, don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. There's things you pick up. There's a lot of things you put on shelf. You may not be ready for some of the things yet. Doesn't you're listening to it? You're bringing it up. You're learning things here and there. Continue to do that. And when you discipline yourself, and um, and why why are you learning? Don't forget your why. Don't forget the why, because you want to draw near to the Lord, to the person of God. This is His word, and you're getting to know your commander in chief. So, um, so the Old Testament, they learn these these uh, the Jews. Had a pretty good doctrinal system, but they, but now they're coming to up the game. The mystery doctrine is open to them. Galatians three twenty two. Go ahead and open us, open up to there. Galatians. Three twenty two. Yeah, go ahead, Michael. Look, go ahead and you start with 21. It's, is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if the law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scriptures imprison everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned, until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now the faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Okay. So, that coming up, uh, the law was a tutor. The law, the the law was that which taught. It was the gu- It was the guiding. It was the Guiding influence, it, but it again, it was incomplete. It was, and no one was saved through it. And so the the general thrust of this is, it's time for them. Again, what what's the context? Is that they were going to go back? They were looking to go back to the old law. Jesus covered this perfectly, and if they weren't going back to the law, they were compromising. There were those Judaizers that were coming in Galatians. The, the context in Galatians is this. Paul would be teaching. He would be establishing the churches. And the Judaizers would come up and say, yeah, you know, 
um, trusting Jesus is that's that's a good thing in the resurrection and all that. That's all well and fine for what um, you know for what it is. But you got to also um, keep the circumcision. You got to also be circumcised. You also got to keep the commandments. You also got to keep the dietary laws. If you're going to do this, you got to do this. They were adding to the law. They or or they were adding to the mystery doctrine. They were saying um, you got. It's not only being. It's not only this, but you got to also do this. Um, we don't throw. We don't throw out the Old Testament, which um, which we learn the law and we we read about things in there because we equate it to Christ. All Scripture is God breathed, and when we read about the when we read about the um, why they kept the Sabbath, dietary laws, this, that, and the other thing. This, by the way, this was for the Jews. It was for them. It made them unique people apart from the rest of the world. And so the the mystery doctrine, when that veil was ripped, the law was set aside. The law was set aside, and something better has come. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. New and greater, a dynamic life. You see, the Mosaic law was actually a failure on the part of the Israelites. They didn't want grace. They wanted the law. People haven't changed today, ladies and gentlemen. They haven't changed. Their heart has not changed. They wanted the law at Mount Sinai. They said, oh, no, Moses, don't let us talk to him. Don't let us even look at him because we'll die. You talk to him, and we'll do what you say. Uh, we'll do what um, what you say. You know, you speak to us, and we'll obey. <laughs> How'd that work out? You see, it, the law was a the law that they had. The Mosaic law was a consequence. It was a consequence for their rejection of grace. And now here it comes to grace again. Here is the offer of grace. And how many people that we have that want to build a complicated system of religion to do this and to do that. And You see, your thoughts, your decisions, your actions should grow out of a strong, growing, maturing faith. We don't do to be blessed. We don't do to grow. We do because we have already been blessed by every spiritual blessing. And and as we are growing in God's word and strengthening in our walk with the Lord, that spiritual life grows from that. But again, how many people will want to tell you that you've got to do A, B, C, and D? Yes, believing in Jesus is just fine. That's a good thing. But you also got to do, we got to move forward from that legalistic system and move forward in the system of grace which is provided for us. In the mystery doctrine, we are growing past the salvation message. You see, another thing that we have a tendency to do is forget the Bible and establishes our own code and our own thinking. How many Christians do you know that profess to be Christians, that they know anything about such things as propitiation, reconciliation, limited atone, or, or unlimited atonement, or substitutionary atonement? How many can actually articulate what happened on the cross while we are saved? Um, our spiritual life, do, the doctrines, the doctrines of love, the, um, the full counsel of God's word. Learning to think God's thoughts after him. This is what the writer is saying. Get off that bench. Don't forget salvation. It doesn't say forget the bait elementary things. It's saying move on. Move forward. Press on. 
the men, when Jesus was with the men on the road, um, on the road to Emmaus, Jesus spoke of the um, the Old Testament, and he said that. Um, well, in Luke twenty four forty four, he says, "Now he said to them, These are the my words, which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things that were written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled." And then he goes on in Luke twenty four twenty seven. Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. So the Old Testament was the, was the basics. It pointed them to Jesus, to understanding who Jesus was. And then from that point, Coming to know him, there's that great spiritual life. That we must pick up, that we must learn. Yes, we are anyone that believes and trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life has has eternal life. You can have assurance that you have been saved. Through, by faith, through grace. Grace through faith. But that brings you into a relationship that opens the door. Now it's time to step forward. To leave those elementary doctrines of salvation which we've learned. And to press on, even in prayer, and our knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is where we'll pick up on the Lord's Day. Father in heaven, thank you for the opportunity of fellowshipping in your word this evening. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we help us to get off that base. Help us to get off the bench. Open up our hearts to greater doctrines. Give us a mind. And and where where we may think that this is only for pastors or church leaders, uh-uh. Let those thoughts go through our minds. Let everyone here in the sound of my, my voice should understand that it's the spirit that overcomes any handicaps that we might have. And the only reason why we cannot learn the deep things of God is the only reason why we are incapable of doing it is because we choose not to. We choose to allow our IQ or our reading ability or something else to stand in the way. But basically, it's no excuse at all. Because if we loved you that much, we would want to and we'd strive in everything that we can. But we have the Holy Spirit that mentors us and, teach, and that teaches us. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that each of us can get off the bench and start pressing towards spiritual maturity. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. We'll finish out this evening with going over our questions. And I don't have. Do I have something here? Maybe I do. Let's see what I got here. Hold on. Do I have my questions? I might. I might. Here we go. I think that's it. We'll try it. What's the first question? John 14, 6. That's it. it. All right. I am thee. Okay. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am thee. Hey, and this is for Grady. Um, righteousness, justifier, and savior. Or B, the Son of God, the Son of Man. C, the way, the truth, and the life. And D, before Adam, Abraham was. Which one do you think? Which one do you know? 
You got it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this is in there um, in our study. Uh, I'll leave that open to you. Anybody comment on that in connection to where we are in Hebrews? No, um, no. The um, so he says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." It is our Lord Jesus Christ that sets the pattern for our spiritual life. Not only, not only he says, "I am the way," the hadas. Um, the as we are to draw near to God, he we are to, as Peter says, to to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Savior Jesus Christ. We know the Lord with the Son. He sets the pattern on by which we are to uh, conduct our lives. All right. Um, okay, I'm going to throw this out to anyone that want an open floor in there. What is, actually? Who wants to take number two? Okay. What is the desire of the writer in Hebrews? Hebrews, cha- or Hebrews chapter 6, more specifically. What is his intention? What's his desire? What what does he want? What's he saying? What's that? It is a warning coming up. Yeah, it's going to be a warning. His desire, I'm glad I asked a question, because it's important. It's the context of this. The writer of the Hebrew, we've been saying all through this lesson, to get off the elementary things of doctrine and press on forward. To press on forward to the more complicated things. Okay, he wants you to, because it's those more, it's the deeper things of God that's going to draw you closer to him. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. That's he wants. You got leave behind the elementary things. Move on. Continue on. All right? Doctrine upon doctrine. Precept upon precept. He wants it for these Jewish believers. He wants it for us. That's his desire. All right, number three. What would you say would be the difference, if any, between a born-again believer and a a true Christ follower? Becca, I'll give you that one. What's the difference between a Christian and a true Christ follower? Well, a a true Christian follower is one that is in the Word, and that which glorifies Him. The one that is that is not a follower just believes and then by grace and just doesn't doesn't um, follow the doesn't really pursue the spiritual growth doesn't really pursue um, the Christian way of life exactly right exactly right Anybody have anything to add to that? I would say the born again believers that may be a Christ follower, but understand their understand who God is and understand His walking. He knows. to read verse 13 and 14 go, chapter 5. Go ahead. Okay, for everyone who is opposed to only ignorance is not trusting in the word of righteousness, for he is an infant, which is a major aspect of faith. It follows through this word of the Spirit, who because of practice has their senses trained to desire and to discern good and evil. And I guess um, the difference with a follower, a true follower, is that they do discern good and evil. They're able to to, um, build upon 
you're, you're training. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you you there. question can can a can a napios be a christ follower yeah okay yeah that's where he's going to start we all start off at napios and but we're not satisfied with staying at napios we're not satisfied with being baby believers and then we start developing our spiritual priorities to begin to grow. So you may be a baby believer, but you are doing what you need to do with the motivation of developing your relationship with Christ. Very good. All right. Church leaders should have one goal in mind concerning the flock. This would be my question, but... uh, is what you would expect of me. What what would be the um what would be who wants to take that one up? Church leaders should have one goal. What do you think, Grady? What would be the number one thing that I'm expected to do? What would you want your pastor, the number one thing? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is the answer. Okay. I had to say all of them, but it is maturity in the faith. It's to mature his congregation. How does he mature his congregation? Oh, yeah, by proclaiming the word, because growth comes through the word. Growth comes. No, a study to show yourself approved, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That is Paul's message to the pastor, Timothy. So it is the teaching the word of God for the result of maturity in the faith. He's looking at maturing his congregation. He's concerned with the maturity of his congregation. All right, Greek word. I like this. Greek word that best identifies the above objective of church leadership. We're talking, again, that's maturity in the faith. We went over this Sunday. Would it be teleotas, teleotas, or teleotes, afiemi, lagos, or metanoeo? Teleos. Yeah, Yeah, Teleites. It comes from Teleos, and it means maturity. Um, It could be completeness, but it's also maturity, completeness, perfect. Remember, these words can't have different ones. Okay, so Afiemi. What was Afiemi? We went over that word. Oh, you're referring to the. Yeah. Afiemi. Anybody remember that? Leaving, leaving. It's also a word for forgiveness. Lagos. Grady, what is Lagos? Very good. And Metanoeo, what is that? Metanoeo. Repentance. Very good. All right. This is going to be a fun one. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with each of you with a few more then. Characteristics of a mature faith. Grady, you, you first. Give me one characteristic of a mature faith. You're growing up in the Lord. What? And it don't even have to be on the list that we went over. 
We'll jump on the back. One one thing. Prayer life, yeah. The increase in prayer life, the strength in your prayer life. Also, the seeing your prayer life, seeing more prayers answered. You, you have the ability to pray. Very good. Okay. Amanda. Okay. What's that? Peace. Peace. Um, you want to elaborate on it? This uh, word of God that's bringing peace into you, you're able to concentrate on the doctrines and the things and you've got stable mental attitude because of the word of God that's circulating in your heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the shallow things, going back to what George said, okay, if I have a shallow understanding and my understanding is only there that Jesus Christ um, died for me on the cross, um, I might extrapolate some things out of that um, okay, uh, if he's done the, like if he's done the the most for me, will he not do every, you know these other things? But um, so small principles like that, just basic faith on that. But the deep things is when we we have, have a mature believer, he has content of the Word of God circulating in his heart, and he's able to concentrate in the time of crises. So in a time of crises. Even though there may be tears at times, even though there, 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 there's that struggle and all, you still can have a relaxed mental attitude in your heart as you're, you're standing upon those uh, the knowledge. This is wisdom. You've gained wisdom within your heart that you've taken knowledge of the Word of God from the classroom, from the Bible, from your study, and you're able to think God's thoughts after them. Michael. Discernment against good and evil. Elaborate in. What does James say about um, if you're lacking wisdom? Ask for it. Ask for it. What is what is wisdom? And before you can have wisdom, what do you got to have? Talent. Talent. Very good. You have to have a contact. And when you're praying for wisdom, Lord, what I've learned, recall to mind and help me to use it. Help me to apply it. So, um, also that from a position, you're able to make good decisions from a position of strength. And you're able to analyze things in light of the Word of God. You're able to look at the world and what's happening in the world in light of Scripture. That also brings you a little bit, coming back to what Manna says, a, a tranquility of soul. Anybody want to add anything? Okay, the writer of Hebrews, number seven, the writer of Hebrews expresses a desire for his readers to forget what they had learned from the Old Testament teaching concerning the law and move forward with a church age doctrine. True or false? False. What's false about it? It's still, um, yeah, it's still, it's still very much in play. And going to the next verse, what verse might qualify your answer in the above statement? Any guesses on that? Let's see, all of the above. Okay. Okay, that one works. Okay. What's Matthew? Somebody give me Matthew five seventeen. Matthew 
Oh, that's good. Okay. That would cover all the above. So let's just go on to the next passage. Go to Luke 24, 44. Okay, um, just just as a point of reference or point of doctrine here, um, when he says law, if, if you don't already know or somebody may not, when he says uh, the law, the prophets, the um, and and the writings, uh, that would be the Psalms, the writings. Um, those are the different. This is where we get the Tanakh from. That the word Tanakh. That's that's the Old Testament scripture. The three. Three, three sections of the Old Testament scripture. So he, he's been written about throughout the whole Old Testament. So all, I, I like the Second Timothy 3.16, all scripture uh, um, is profitable for reproof, for correction of righteousness, that the man of God might be adequately equipped for every good work. Number eight, John declares... In 1 John 5:17 everything that is not of faith is what sin. Um looking at that, give me my board if you will, son. Maybe, maybe not. Here we go. Here is um okay, let's say say this is the 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 line, and up here you got plus R, which is God's righteousness. And down here you have the works of man, deeds, actions, maybe they're all the same thing, but um, thoughts, motives. All these things are are what we strive for. And everything, and what what we're what we're shooting for is acceptability that God will look upon these things, and it'll be a reflection of His righteousness. Um, what is the word, Grady, for missing the mark? Help me, Armatia, which and, and which we translate it as sin. So. Anything that does not meet God's righteous standard, and that that may also mean our um, our own, let's say negative R. Negative R is our own our our own do goodism, our own morality, our own. Um, we're trying to lift up our own moral way to to meet God's, and we will never do it. And that sin, anything that does not meet that righteous standard, is missing the mark. All right. So John declares, First John five seventeen, that everything that is not of faith. So everything has your works, your deeds, your actions, your thoughts, your motives, have to be driven by faith. All right. Um. And in number nine, Jesus said that the Father is glorified how in John fifteen eight, bearing fruit. He wants us to bear much fruit. And once again, we cannot. That's not for us to get busy. It's not hustle for God. It's not hustling for Him. Um, um, so that. So, what's that? Yeah. Um, once again, the bearing fruit comes out of our faith. How is our faith established or strengthened? And maturity. Let's just say our maturity. How is that? Um, what? How? How does that happen? There you go. The taking in of God's word. And be careful. Not only are we taking in God's word, but we are applying God's word. We're being practitioners of His word. That's what James says. Do not be hearers only. 
but be practitioners of his word. Yes. Yeah, and so when you're growing in the Lord, when you're growing in your relationship, when you're walking. No, like a tree, Psalm 1-1. Yeah, for, there you go, Psalm 1-1. Or Psalm one three, uh, that tree far, firmly planted, and in its season it will bear fruit. You can't stop when 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 you when you're influencing influences the Lord, and you're taking His word. Your life is going to produce, and that fruit we've talked about. That fruit, that fruit is you seeing it. You even seeing your fruit in people's lives around you, as they're they're being impacted. By your your life in Christ, and lastly, what reference in the Bible best describes one who falls away from the faith because of persecution? Might want to turn there. Matthew fourteen twenty So what do you think? None of them will. Um, this is, comes back to the um, falls away from faith because of persecution. It would be it would come back to the uh, to uh, coming back to Matthew 13. Matthew 13 is to be the sower of the seed. Um, and sower of seed. Hear, hear then the parable of the sower. Then everyone who hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand the evil one comes, snatches away. Wouldn't be that one. The one whom seed was sown on rocky places is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet with no firm root in himself. Um, and but is only temporary, and when affliction and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. Um, this, this would be the one that's connected with the Hebrew believers, and then, and the one that seed who sown among thorns is the man who hears the word and worry of the world, deceitfulness of wealth chokes the word. So it would be that twenty one. All right. Very good. Any parting shots? All right. Well, we'll be back to worship call in the morning. And um, till then, stay motivated, Lord. Keep your armor on. Keep fighting. Good fight of faith. We'll see you. No.